Hi. Hello. Hi. Hey. How you doing? So good. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three slash two birth professionals. And best friends and a sister. <laughs> and we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows, or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. <laughs> I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy er birthing center in Strasbourg. And I'm Jess McKee, and I am a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and also a birth assistant with you at Linden Tree Midwifery. And we have a guest who's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, my sister, Arlia, is here. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Arlia. If you saw Jessica and I in a room together, you might not be able to tell us apart, or so we've been told. Uh, I am a, a former teacher. I was a teacher for 14 years in uh, middle school, special education, science, um, but I am currently now an artist and a musician full-time. And I am so proud of you for just taking that leap and pursuing your passions because that is really hard to do. Uh, it is. It's a little <laughs> bit intimidating. <laughs> and we shall see uh, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. You're not old enough to have been a teacher for 14 years. You're like 12. Uh, I, will, I will take that as a compliment. Maybe still 12 in my mind, but definitely not in my body. I thought you were younger than me. We did not go to high school together. Well, oh, you graduated with Chuck. Oh. People that... No, well, I suddenly feel old. People that like to try and get on my nerves are like, oh, this is your younger sister, yes, right? Yes, 100%. And I'm like, shut your whore mouth. No, you guys look the same. Like yeah. when I would see her walking down the street with your kids when she's visiting, I'm like, Joe, wait, <laughs> something's <laughs> off. <laughs> well, there was one time because you lived two and a half hours away and a lot of the people here didn't really know I had a sister. And so we went to box office brewery during COVID when we had masks and I was like, we were sitting up on the balcony and I was like, I dare you to go downstairs and say hi to this person, that person, just go up and hug them and see if they notice that it's not me. And it's true. They were slightly confused. They're like, wait a second. Did you have work done? <laughs> Slight confusion, but enough. It's enough of a, a guess that they're like they just went with it. Yeah, <laughs> like weird. So I want to preface the start of this episode to say that um, in reality, we don't actually know what we're talking about when it comes to this subject. Um, so for anybody who wants to fact check us, you are welcome to do that. But we are today going to talk about. Our opinions and our opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one and some of them stink. But some of them are bleached and beautiful. Yes, that's true. I'd like to think our opinions are bleached and beautiful. Um, and so we're going to be talking about the state of sex education in the United States or more importantly, Virginia, and also our opinions on what works and what doesn't work. So I did a very small amount of research before we started this episode teeny tiny amount but really really small amount micro penis would you say micro penis amount or yeah. like a yeah. sad small penis it looks like amount. a tiny egg sitting in a large nest yep like a micro penis micro i think that's micro penis status yes from our research that's what i found yes so but when i did my research apparently in the state of virginia um schools are not required to teach sexual education but they can choose to teach sexual education, but it has to align with 
the Virginia standards for sexual education. It does not have to align with the national standards for sexual education. And it must include um, talking about just not having sex. Isn't that what it says? Like they have to teach abstinence. That's the main they point. have to teach abstinence. Do you think the state sends those abstinence posters when you like sign up to teach sex ed? Then they get the abstinence posters that you say in the clinic when you go to the clinic in eighth and ninth grade. Probably, yeah. They so have- you're saying if they're going to teach them about their parts and puberty and all of that, they have to also include teach abstinence. That okay. so that is like the goal. Yes, is to abstain from the very activity in which they're supposed to be teaching about about. I yes. wonder why our pregnancy in teen level is so high. I don't know. It's weird because I have done some research about this um, before this episode. And I do know that in in some other countries, especially in like the uh, UK and stuff, they take a more holistic view of sexuality as teaching sexuality as a normal part of life and talking about consent and talking about healthy sex, but not limiting it to saying, oh, you can't have sex. It's like, this is sex and this is where it's good and this is where it could be bad and here's some healthy ways to do it. And their teen pregnancy rates are so much lower than ours. Their STI rates are so much lower than ours. And so it shows that it works. But there's a lot of things, barriers in place in this country that stop us from being able to do that. I'm going to do my very best not to launch into a complete tirade about why our country does the things that they do. Um, The fact that some people that we love are about to lose their jobs is part of that. Yeah. But... Um, We were founded by very right Christian Puritanical. Mm -hmm. So they need to be pure and they need to do all of these things. And so I feel, and I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not judging others for that. I'm just saying that all of our, all of our institutions are based upon these founding fathers and their Mm -hmm. what is right or wrong morally and ethically. And so the fact that we can't teach about a normal human response based on morals and values is really our downfall for so many subjects, including this one. Well, I mean, and I know it's a subject that we talk about a lot, but even like circumcision, the way it came to the United States was mainly because Dr. Kellogg, the creator of Kellogg's cornflakes thought that masturbation caused hysteria because it's a sin. Yeah. Well, also and a sin. And so he's like, Hey, cut off the best part on girls and boys and maybe they won't masturbate and they can get to heaven and not be hysterical. Nope. Is there anything you'd like to add? I don't know about you. (laughs) Uh, Not at this moment. No, I love to masturbate. Masturbation is so normal. But I I do think I'm hysterical as well. So, (laughs) You know, only women can be hysterical, and that's why they call it a hysterectomy. Yeah, right? So it's so... We we do have to remember that most of these things you're talking about right now mostly were applied to women. Correct. Men men were generally educated about what was going on and started experiencing these things early and were allowed to do these things and outside of the bounds of marriage usually as well. Um, So a lot of the repressive parts of it mostly applied to women who a lot of the times even up to the night of their wedding 
had no, no idea no what was about idea. to happen to them or had no idea what was happening if their period started because i mean oh. even watching call the midwife i the whole episode about that like yep. when they were trying to teach girls just about starting their periods and it was this whole thing like you can't give unwed mothers tampons like you're right. gonna, you're going to like put bad ideas in their head that's going to make them dirty if they learn about their own bodies um before we started arlia was going to say something about you started on something about the day that you started your period or the thought of starting your period or something happened and you started to talk about it and Jess was like, wait, wait, save it. Did you already forget? I already <laughs> forgot, but it may come back to me. I, I will say, I remember um, even something like using tampons was very scary. I didn't understand how to use them. And I remember the first time I tried to use one, Yeah, it was because I wanted to get in the pool with my friends and I had started my period. And uh, I guess I was so nervous I couldn't actually put the tampon in and I remember calling my mother and telling her in tears that I didn't have a hole oh, <laughs> oh my god she says yes yes you do I know you, you do you do it's there I saw right. it you're probably just nervous but you know these kinds of things are scary for girls they don't understand and there's a lot of moms because like our mom um she actually did do a good job of like ma- normalizing talking about our bodies in certain ways and our periods and celebrating that and not being weird about that. So I never remember a time where I didn't at least know about periods and stuff. So I have this, this horrific memory that's similar to yours that my mom, God bless her, who you all met back in whatever episode that was when we yeah. interviewed her, I, we were camping. I will never forget this. I just started my period. Like maybe that, that month or the month before or whatever it was. So it was light. I had not yet bled heavily, but I was wearing panty liners and I also wanted to go swimming. This is what triggered this memory. So I was in the shower stall that you have when you're camping yeah. and I was showering and I had folded my clothes and my mom came in to ask if I needed anything. And I was like, well, I, I have my period and I want to go swimming and I don't have I don't know what to do about that and she's like well how much are you bleeding and I said I don't know I this is all new to me because my mom in fact did not talk to me about these things Mm -hmm. when we were younger she unfolded my clothes looked looked at at my panty liner at which point if I could have fit down that fucking drain I would have just (laughs) disappeared for life I'm like oh my god she's looking at what came out of my body (laughs) I'm going to die and she goes oh that's nothing you'll be fine and then walked out I was so horrified. I, I don't know how long I stayed in the shower. I was like, I'm never coming back out. Nowadays, it's like... Did you masturbate while you were in there? Who cares? No. <laughs> Not at the thought of my mother looking at my dirty panty liner. That would have been horrible. That would have caused a whole other thing of trauma I would have had to work through oh. as an adult. Yeah. So even things like that. But the, some of the barriers that we have, I mean, we talk about just the elements in place, but also... Um, there's such a large variety of opinions like assholes in our country. And there's still a lot of people that feel like you shouldn't teach girls about sex with their bodies because it's going to make them impure. Uh, we've all seen the movie Carrie. So I would think that movie in it. So that's what the movie, right? Stephen King. Yeah. Is it Carrie? I think so. Yeah. When all the blood gets dumped on her, she doesn't know what her period is. Uh, Please watch that movie. This is why we don't not tell our daughters. Yeah. About their periods. It's terrible. So I think that there's a really large thing, like politically speaking, it's like even if they know, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the state of public schooling in general, even if 
the teachers can look and see like, oh, this is the best approach that helps lower teen pregnancies, that helps um, lower STIs, that helps people succeed better in school because they're just happier in general. They know all those things. It's not like it's elusive information. Um, but politically, there's like the right wing and the left wing. And then one side is like, oh, you can't teach kids this because of, you know, religion and blah, blah, blah. And then there's the other side that's like, teach them all the things. And and so there's this battle. And then like in public schools, in Virginia at least, any parent can pull their child out of sexual education at any time. And so it's a really delicate balance of like teaching them some things without offending people. And I'm, I totally, I'm just going to put a disclaimer all for, you know, I homeschool my kids. I don't feel like it's the state's job to teach our kids values and morals and everything like that. Um, so I understand some of those parents that feel that way about their freedom of teaching their kids about sexuality, but we still have to admit there's a really big divide on what people are learning and then it's not working. The, the reality is we live in a very diverse country and even within a specific county or city where there's a school, there's going to be a whole range of different kinds of people with different religious beliefs, political beliefs, uh, traditions, backgrounds. And so if you're in a public space where you're trying to teach something that's a commonality, it's very difficult because people, when it comes to people's children, you know, they, they really take ownership over wanting to know, to know exactly what, what the, their kids are being, you know, in some cases feeling like they're being indoctrinated with yep. something that they may or may not want them to learn. And so I think that's one of the big issues that we see in public education at this point in time is a lot of fighting over what, children should or should not be exposed to yeah um so it becomes a difficult conversation because if you could take if you could just look at well where are other people being successful and what are they doing it might be a more productive conversation but instead it's just kind of a a battleground what are you teaching my kid and and it and it, what's your agenda yeah and it, it's always about the agenda and it kind of blows my mind because my kids are in public schools because literally i'm just too lazy to homeschool that is my <laughs> only reason um you're talking to me who homeschools and is so much lazier than you so i don't i don't think that you're lazy thank you um i just don't want to do it so but i i know what they're teaching them in school but as a parent i feel very able to then talk to my kids like tell me what you learn and let's talk about what i think or another outlook like it, it it's not the end all it's the school system is doing its best with their allowances because of the political agenda behind every single, I mean, how long was Pluto not a planet Yeah. before they were allowed to teach? It was not a planet. And I think actually they never got that approval, but now it's a planet again. So it doesn't really matter. So <laughs> is it a planet again? I think it is a planet again, or it I was, I think it's considered a dwarf. It's planet, a dwarf planet. If I'm correct. And I'm okay. a science teacher. So we if I'm not that, right on this, I'm going to be We call that a little planet. It's a tiny it's planet. A dwarf planet. <laughs> it's not dwarf. You can't can clear its own orbit. Okay. Has so a what I'm weird saying, orbit. But can you teach that now? How long did it take? So can we go to Tiny Planet Wrestling? T- yes, we 
<laughs> Absolutely. Remember that time you pulled an entire bottle of wine out of your butt crack? Yes, I do. I don't even know how that happened. I remember multiple times that I've done that, actually. That was the night. Impressive. very good at... Oh, it's one scary. of the funniest things I've ever seen. Hiding she just did a little shimmy and pulled... my crevices. Yeah, pulled an entire box of wine out of her butt crack. Oh, I thought it was a bottle. Well, it was not a, a box. Bottle. There yeah. were bottles of other things in all of her pockets. Yeah. She had like an straight. army jacket. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff coming out of a lot of crevices. So I did mix that up a little bit. But either way, it was enough to get everybody toasted. And yeah. that's all that mattered. And there was a lot of us there. So Also, for the record, if you're going power. to Tiny Wrestling, there should be alcohol. There should be. There should absolutely. Only people that drink alcohol go to Tiny Person Wrestling. I agree. So oh. get it. Getting back Sorry. to something that you said, because I thought it was job. important. Because you're the same. You <laughs> yeah. look the same and you act the same. Um, I'm going to need you to get back on track. Yeah. Can we please focus? Yeah. No, yes. No, go ahead. Um, so getting back to something you were saying about children and what they're exposed to and the conversations you have at home. Yeah. I think that this is a very important thing. In this day and age, okay, let's just face the facts. Most children are not going to stay living on a small piece of property where they're never exposed to anything no. outside of their little universe, their little bubble. They are going to go out into the world. We have this thing called the internet yep. where most children who have access to a phone are capable of finding just about oh. anything on it. A lot of information. They are going to be exposed to everything that is out there at some point. That's something to think about and do we do we have to worry so much about and people having an agenda to expose them to something? They're going to see a lot of things in their life. The conversations that you have at home with them are going to be one of the foundational things that helps them to feel safe to talk to you, helps to instill your values, hopefully, potentially. And I think that's also an important part of the conversation, too, is that teaching your kids something you want to teach them, like... A lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't give children as miniature human beings enough credit for how smart they are. Like for most kids, just because they get information about so many different subjects doesn't mean that they're going to choose that subject or to believe that way. Um, I have found that they actually can really like think through things and decide what they actually believe. It is... It is just an undeniable fact that they are going to be exposed to things. You, as the parent, do have the kind of ability to influence what they're going to do when they're exposed mm -hmm. to those kinds of things and mm -hmm. how they're going to respond. If you're a safe person to talk to, if you've had conversations with them about these things already, they're yeah. more in an advantage if they have information. Um, children, while they are smart, they do... Because a lot of times lack the responsibility to know what to do with that information. And it's important to be able to provide them guidance yeah. and have boundaries and suggestions. But because thinking that you can't expose them, thinking that just exposing them to things is going ideas. to ruin them is it's just something that you can't escape in this anymore. day and age anymore. No. And I just want to say that, like, if you are not that safe place that pe they can come and talk and throw those ideas off of, then they're much more likely to go and they're they're going to talk to their friends, whether it's at school or somewhere else or a ran random person on the Internet. And so there sh should be a basis of what kids are learning. And so when it comes to human sexuality, there are certain things that we do know for a fact. We do know for a fact that at some point, 
people become sexual. We do know like the mean age that people lose their virginity. We know in our culture that the majority of people do that before that they're married. And so it's taking all of these things and trying to make it healthier for our children that are growing up. For me, it's the way that I try to talk to my kids and the younger they are, the more open they are to talk. I mean, the boys are all, I can say whatever. Evie seems to be a little more sensitive, but sexuality is not the same as sex. Yes. Anatomy, physiology, the way that our bodies are, the chemicals we release, it's not the same as sex. So even if you want, don't want to talk about the act of sex, like I didn't know that you ovulate Mm -hmm. right until I was like an adult. Like in my mind, I was just like, Oh, that's weird. My underwear is different. Yeah. What's this is weird. Like, I don't understand. And I'm embarrassed. Don't look at it. Right. And or what's wrong with me or whatever. But just like for Evie, I teach her like once a month, like this time of the month, you have ovulatory fluid. This is normal. This is what what happens. That's totally that's great. That means it's working. It doesn't mean we're talking about sex or whether it's good or bad. It's just every human should know how their body functions, Mm -hmm. whether you want to teach them about sex or or what's right or what's wrong is completely different. And I think that we go into adulthood not understanding how our body works. And that's like driving without a license. Or understanding anything. Or understanding where the steering wheel is. Right. Like you got to put gas in the car. I, I think it's also important and helpful if if people know how the opposite sex's body Correct. works as well. It's not just yours. Um, I can't tell you how many men I speak to that have no idea what I'm talking about when I refer to ovulation. None. They, they no have clue. a lot of really huge misconceptions around mm-hmm. periods. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like, like even what hole it comes out of. And so do women for very, that matter. Very, very confused. And so it, do women. For I'm the, not yeah. really sure how you get to be to the age of 30, 40, and don't understand how a woman's body works when you may have her as your intimate lifetime partner. You know, so. well, right. we, we do know that you know most people, especially from what I hear from women, men don't really expect to be able to find the G spot or the clitoris, and so women don't necessarily expect orgasms, and so they just merrily go along that doing just whatever blows they do. My mind. We could be a lot help, happier and healthier. Correct as couples interrelating with each other if we understand what the other person is dealing with i talk about this freely with my couples like oh yeah you know postpartum and this is how i open it remember not to put anything in your vagina for at least six weeks a man made that time up so it's probably going to be longer but also make sure your vagina is still working before you put something Mm -hmm. in there consider an orgasm do you have orgasms and usually it's like yes but i would say it's a good 20% or like no no and I'm like settle down we're in for a conversation and I just tell them everything because it's important do you break out the sketch pad oh I did oh yeah countless times (laughs) now that I have this smartphone I can pull up like a I don't pull up a vagina because for some people that would be way too much way too much but I'll draw draw up that little kids version of a vagina and be like this is called the clitor when I wear that clitoral hoodie oh yeah that the clitorati group that I'm in that no one knows what that is women have no idea their clitoris is shaped like a horseshoe none they're like what is that or a that sloth? or that it has a hood yeah mm-hmm. it's called a foreskin anyway yeah. but these are things like we can freely talk about like oh your eyelid is whatever or your feet like you have either a vulva or you have a peanut, like know the function. Why would you have these organs and not understand how they work, what they do and what's yeah. normal? 
This is why there's so much guilt around like sex and sexual feelings and behavior. And guilt leads to bad behaviors. And so, and that is one thing that like when I was looking at the websites for education in Virginia, it was like, what can we do to talk about consent, to talk about sexual violence, to talk about, but in reality, we know that those programs aren't working. Like we aren't really lowering our rates of, I mean, no. we said we were going to talk about some of the things we remember from before we go to break. We should do yeah, that. Cause like, do that. I think that it's changed. Fun, fun. I think it's changed even from when we were in school. I mean, I graduated 20 years ago. You guys graduated what 25 years ago, something like that. I don't recall. <laughs> Just so, for the record, I, I am the younger sister. For it was the 20, record, 22 I am the younger years, sister. 22 years ago. Yeah, I graduated in 2003, which was 20 years Good ago. Lord. So you guys graduated 25 years ago. Oh, goodness. God, yeah. really? Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad I could teach you something. Thank you. Um, to showing me how math works. It yes. didn't feel sexual at all. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with it, but it didn't do anything for me. I don't know if that. What, when you get to the point that you graduated 25 years ago doesn't do when it for you? When we get to the point where you've been graduated 69 years or even 37 and a half. Can you live that long? <laughs> um, so when I was in high school, I very clearly remember taking sex ed. I remember. You don't remember middle school before you go into high school? I do remember that as well. Okay. And I remember being very embarrassed because, and I was not embarrassed about sexuality even back then, but I do remember feeling embarrassed because we were put in a room with boys and girls and they were just talking about it with all of us. They didn't separate you? They did not separate oh, us. Oh, I was different. Oh. I was definitely in a I separate room. I was separated room. and I don't remember. I actually do not recall. Mm. And I, I remember. I think I was in middle school. In middle school, I have just one interesting memory from middle school. I think they did talk about periods and stuff, but I remember this guy coming in that nobody knew. I don't know if they hired out like a teacher to teach sex ed, and we all went into like the special sunken auditorium. I want to be that talk teacher about sex. so bad. And I, I remember to this day, he told some kind of Indian Native American story about a woman and a talking turtle. And then he laughed and he said, you're going to get that when you, you're older. And to this day, I'm like, I still don't still get that don't joke. I don't understand that fucking joke. You must not remember how he told it. I'll bet <laughs> it was something. I'm picturing a there. turtle head. I feel like it, it has to do like, with the turtle. I'd rather have a talking turtle than a beautiful woman any day. I think that was like the punchline of the joke. Maybe he was talking about foreskins. And so, somehow... I mean, maybe he said turtle, but then I do remember getting into high school. And again, we were in sex ed in a mixed group. And I remember, and you said this too, seeing very vivid pictures of STIs. We called them STDs. All we could do was laugh. We were so uncomfortable. We just laughed. We couldn't stop laughing. Yes. But we were just laughing. Looking back at that now from my, because even through all that, like, yes, STI, STIs are a thing, but the way they taught it, it was like a scare tactic. Like, it's a scare tactic. If you have sex, oh, yeah. your genitals are going to rot off and no one's ever going to want to talk to you again. Did you raise your hand and go, can we start from the beginning? Could you explain what genitals are? <laughs> I feel I, like you skipped right uh, to the gen- disease. No, the, the shame that is imparted to you when you view those photos, it, it neglects the fact that this is something that happens to 
healthy so people. many people. Yes. yes. 100%. If you are out there having sex, you are very likely to encounter some kind of STI. At some Women time, in yeah. particular are much more Correct. likely to manifest them. And there's a lot of shame and guilt around that happening. Now, yeah. w- are there ways that we could be talking about how you can take precautions to prevent that? Yes. yes. Absolutely. But just the awareness of the fact that they exist and the way they present it is so shameful that people who do end up experiencing them then have to deal with this whole other level psychological of psychological pain and shame and embarrassment and all of these other things that, that stigmatize it's stigmatized. So yes. so true. Yes. I, I had such an eye opening my whole life, like STDs, STIs, all of these things, it was like so shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that my mom is providing healthy sexual education. But when I was a kid, that was not there. That's not how I was taught. And so it was like, I was just terrified of all these things that could go wrong. And when I became a midwife, so many women just very casually were like, yes, I have herpes. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard I could take a cyclovir and, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yep. Or yeah, I, we had, we, when we got together, we did have chlamydia, but we treated mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, Holy shit. And this the, is like, nor this is yep. normal. This and is the, a normal the shame that clients feel. Cause I've had so many over the years, like they don't, they either don't tell you and you find out when you go in the hospital, cause the nurse says something in like a nondescript way. Or if they do tell you, they're like, please don't judge me. Yeah. And it's like, I'm what? not like this could happen. To any, like, look yeah. at how many of our population gets cold sores on their mouth. Like, oh, yeah. Which it's so funny that you have to say to people, and I will say, you know, you can pass that to your partner if you perform yes. oral sex. And yeah. I tell my, all my, my poor kids, not my poor kids, my educated kids, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, never thought about that. I'm and like, yep. yeah. Those are part of the healthy conversations that you can learn to have if you are actually educated about it in a way that is non stigmatizing, does not try to just scare you. Um, is that this is something that you may encounter. It's important to have these conversations with a potential partner, be open about them, be frank, yes. be getting yourself tested, be getting treatment, because there's a lot of treatments out there that people don't even know about. Yeah. Um, but I do remember uh, a gynecologist having, she, she was explaining to me, she was like, oh, we, we don't even test you know, girls under a certain age at this point for HPV because all, Everyone all of them ha- have been all have to it. it. They they wait until it becomes a, a potential issue. And I've then- heard that every single person who's ever had any kind of sex, usually, unless you were a virgin all the way till you got married and you've only went with that person. And that person life. was also a virgin until they got yeah. married. That doesn't even matter. You can get you can get HPV from sharing a wet towel. It is a wart mm. virus. So you don't even if if someone has an outbreak yeah. or. I mean, I full disclosure, I had that before I was sexually active. Yeah. I was a child. Like, that wasn't... How fair is that? But somebody that I shared a towel with had it, and, and I you just, used the same towel. You just taught me something. But I, something I do know about HPV is there's thousands and thousands of strands of it. Like Correct. And the, the majority CD- of them clear out of your system on their own. Yeah, the CDC says 80% of our population currently has a strand of HPV. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're always going to carry it, but it's a virus, so it can lay dormant. And it's not dirty. It's not good or bad. It's just if you're exposed to someone with it, just like a cold, you're going to get it. Yeah. And women are actually more likely to express it and notice it because they get pap smears. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and just because of the way their bodies are built. 
And so uh, they end up taking on a lot of the shame associated with it. Yeah. I just think it's really important that they are told these things, uh, you know, that this is something that you're most likely going to encounter and yeah. how you can best protect and yourself what you and what to do about it if you encounter it. And so, so yeah, I think to sum all this up, because we have to go to the break, is that when talking about sex and talking about STIs, there's a way to scare and shame. And we know from our education that when you're coming from a place of being scared and ashamed, you're not at a place where you're actually learning or making safe choices. It actually no. shuts down. You just become embarrassed or weirded out. or Yeah. Yeah. And so it's talking about these things that are real, but in a way of like, sex is healthy. How do we keep you healthy while also affirming the fact that the majority of the human population wants to have sex and we can do this in a safe way that doesn't make us feel bad about ourselves. And you can teach about abstinence in a non-shameful way. You can teach your daughters to have self if that's their boundary and they want to maintain that correct this is how you do it but for some people sex isn't about love it's they're more some people are more primal creatures than others and so or even if it's about love there's some people that see that boundary differently as something that can be expressed before marriage or in different relationships and for them it's still about love and connection and again i am not in no way am i putting down the conservatives decision to teach their kids to wait until marriage at all. at all. But as a midwife, I have seen young girls that come in, Mm -hmm. they're pregnant and they are so embarrassed. Some of them will claim that they never had sex. Mm -hmm. And so then I have to figure out, have they truly never had sex and no one taught them about sperm and like other sexual activities that could have happened? Or are they just embarrassed to tell their parents because they're not married? Like there has to be a way to take away the stigma Mm -hmm. that I mean, I don't want no matter what in every culture and every, no matter what you teach your kids, it's going to happen to somebody. Can I share one of my most vivid memories from my middle school education? Um, Also, I want to say I was on the swim team, which is when I got it. Yeah. Not an orgy team at the age of whatever I was. But if, if you are on an orgy team, that is also fine. Um, they showed us a porn that was made um, thermo with thermo. Um, oh, you told me about this. Thermo imaging. So they showed these people having sex. And you can't they, see their bodies. In middle school. Correct. You can just Whoa. see, their, you can just see okay. their heat. You can see the heat. heat. Oh, you can see it. You can see everything. It was just like you were wearing thermo glasses. Yeah. And they showed, and then they like they showed, so you could see that they what it looked like when they were having sex. And then they zoomed in on the penis going in the vagina. You got to watch the whole ejaculation. And I will tell you what, I was so turned on. <laughs> So horny. I'm sitting there. That was there my and I'm question, like, actually. I don't know if this was their point, but none of these kids are going to be able to stand up. <laughs> none of them. Everyone was trying to pretend to be like, bah! and I was like, I am so. They're like, so. they're like shuffling in their seats. Like, so I just want to say that high school probably launched so countless porn like fetishes just from that <laughs> thermo imaging video. I was like, good Lord, this is hot. Like well, how did yes, you, how literally. did your abstinence only education work for you? It, I was pregnant by 16. Yeah. Thanks to that thermo imaging porn that they showed. <laughs> I was like, let's check this out. Let's do You're it. Like I'm going to make one of those. This is on my bucket list. And now I'm trying to remember when, when, because the, that was at the end of the class, is this like a new only fans channel. Like it should be thermo, thermo porn. Itch. Thank you for that idea. Wow. <laughs> 
so the bell rings and we're in one of those trailers like they have for Strasburg because I was in Ailer Middle School. So there we were out of room trying to recall if the boys got up right away. Because I'll tell you what, guarantee they did not. They had already get. they had already like shuffled in their seat and tuck, tucked it into their waistband. Tucked it into their waistband. Yeah. Well, not all of them are able to do that, I hear. <laughs> True. They pulled their pants Unfortunately, down a little further. Yeah. Fortunately, in the 90s and early 2000s, our waistbands didn't come out quite as high. No, they didn't. And there was really baggy <laughs> shirts. But this was our approach to sex ed. Thermo-imaging porn. Like... Yeah. Come on. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, the birth video. But we have to go to break. Okay. We will be right back. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So the sponsor oh, yeah. for today's podcast is us. We've been using the same Patreon ad for a really long time. So we figured we might as well make a new for one. Is that a shout out? I for know. To for all of our patrons. <laughs> That we kn- we love and know we're so grateful to have you as patrons of our podcast. We, we don't deserve you. Even Thank you for letting us fail you for four really years. We've really been failing. But now we're going to get back on track. There's three levels that you can join up if you would like to support our podcast. And once again, for this, all of our no patrons. No matter what our output is, though, I do think we'll do better this time. And for all of our patrons, we still Meh. have... We love you and appreciate you. So Thanks much. For all Words you can do. even describe. Thank you for your patience. We're desperately in love with you. And all we yes. have to say is cheers. Cheers. You're not giving up on us. Welcome back from that delightful break. So delightful. It was fun listening to your sister. Like every time we're on a break, it's always like birth stuff or yeah. kids or whatever. And she's over here like talking about band shit. Yeah. And I'm like, that's you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> she is, isn't she? I, I, I kind of am. You kind of are, kind Not of cool. To my own horn. And you should, but it your is own pretty horn. cool. For we anyone, talked about tooting our own horns as well on break. Yeah, we did. <laughs> For anyone that, who lives in the area anywhere around Roanoke, uh, my sister Leah Schwartz, she plays a mean fiddle and she sings like a damn angel. So you should damn. go check out. I prefer fairy. Yeah, she sounds like more like a fairy. It is more like a fairy. It is more like or siren. Siren, even that's yeah. where I'm going. But I don't it. feel like you lure men into their deaths. Well, it's fine if you do. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when that's this, this we went to karaoke, yeah. and I always wear my um, I wear overalls all the time because it's the Shen Valley, and who gives a shit? Yeah. But this asshole walks in in a pair of overalls and like a tiny little halter top mm-hmm. and sandals, and I was like. You're ruining it for me. And then she went up there and sang a song. So well. All like nothing was happening, but it was like her super sexy voice. And I was like, never wearing overalls again. Never, ever in my whole life. Thanks a lot for that. This would be overall inspiration. Yeah. Not de-inspiration. Yeah, because this is all about body positivity. We are not in competition. We are in cooperation. I'm just saying it's it's (laughs) collaboration over competition. I will take the compliment. Thank you. But still, (laughs) that's how I felt. (laughs) And your feelings are valid. Valid. Yes, they are. Even though they come from a place of trauma that you probably need to work through. We've been talking a lot about places yeah, of trauma recently. I know. Everyone comes from them. But talking about places of trauma, um, I think that this episode would not be complete. And I think that across the board, no matter where you come from, no matter what your religion is, this is such an important conversation because so many people who are raising kids already come from a point of like... Um, 
embarrassment about their bodies, embarrassment about sex. And so it's such a big thing teaching children the correct name for their body parts. And so many people don't do it. And by not doing it, it instills shame in children that those parts, it's like you can call your elbow your elbow and your eyelid your eyelid and your earlobe your earlobe, but you have to call your vagina or your the outside of your vagina your cookie or oh, I hate that. your pee pee. Your bird. Where did a birdie come Susie. from? The Susie. Also, where is that? So I mean, confused. if you want to call it that later on in your own affectionate play, Correct. go for it. But yes. And and I've also found that there's lots of children who are taught the correct names for those things and know that who prefer to call it by something else. And that's fine. As long as it's agreed upon so that if you're talking about it, we know what you're saying. Yes. And that's a big part. So even in like the websites I was looking about, about the goal in Virginia, and I'm just talking about Virginia because that's where we live currently at the moment. Very is, different from states like California. Yes. And part of the goals of sexual education is to prevent sexual related violence, um, whether it be between two consenting individuals, between two people the same age, one consenting, one not. Um, But a huge problem that is not getting better in our culture is non-consenting sex for an adult and a child. And the problem that comes when children do not feel empowered to be able to talk about their bodies or that when it happens to them, you will not find out. And it happens a lot. I feel like I've had this conversation hundreds and hundreds of times just this year. Like, Oh, yeah. The- There's a the book, and I know we've talked about this book, and now I'm actually like reading it, reading it. The Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. which is a, a phenomenal book about where mental health started, like the understanding of mental health. And it goes into what we know now. And the statistics are really mind-blowing. Um, but in the beginning of the book, when he started, when this guy, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, and I'm the worst name person, but when he started in the 60s, it was thought that one in one million women were raped or molested. Oh, my God, no. So he was like, I found it very interesting that 67 of them have found their way into my office. So... Um, he was just like, I found it very, like, his mind was blown that 67, he was currently treating, this is in the 60s, 67 rape victims. Mm-hmm. And he was like, How, that's out of 67,000 or 67 million people. And so he was like, this is kind of bullshit. And so he started like digging into it. But I think it's like one out of every three to four women have been raped and one out of every four to six boys Mm -hmm. in childhood were molested or raped it's unbelievable and it's always by someone they know not always but the majority is someone they know so we we live in a culture where molestation where rape where childhood trauma is so absolutely prevalent it's rampant even if it's just one in four which is which is wildly un unreported one in four people walking around out of billions of people have experienced this and now they're coming into middle school they're coming into high school and this is their one shot in learning about their reproductive system their body and what's happening like we need to do better yeah or even learning earlier than that like in elementary school to teach kids about their bodies and what boundaries are and that you don't have to be ashamed if someone 
does this or makes you uncomfortable, like opening that conversation. So it's not a shame that they're carrying because it's never a shame for the victim, even though victims feel it that way. It's a shame for the person who inflicted that on them. But if, if kids are taught, like, this is your body part. If someone does this, you can tell us. Like, it's going to be, we're going to help you. Like, 100%. That's something that they did. It's not something that you did. It just, it opens the way for there to be just, like, healing in our society in general. So that this horrible cycle, which, like, I've just seen so much of it in my life. Yeah. This horrible cycle can finally, like, start to end. Like, And we don't, if you're uncomfortable with talking about parts of the body because of your history... I talk about consent in relation to the entire body. No one can touch any part of your body without permission. Not your hair, not your shoulders, not your legs, not your arms. Like that all belongs to you. That is a sacred place for you. And anybody has to, I ask permission. I ask my kids for a hug. Does anybody want to hug? Mm -hmm. Can I hug you? Like it starts Mm -hmm. at home. So if you are asking your kids permission to do these things, then they're going to grow up knowing, oh, why did they just touch me without asking? That's weird. And it's okay for me to say no. That makes me uncomfortable. Please don't do that. Right. Because that's also, and I, I feel like even just the three of us sitting here, all three of us have had an experience where we've been in a room with a man or somebody else and you know that they are coming on to you sexually and we have all felt uncomfortable to say no or to speak up to it for mm-hmm. ourselves at some point. Yep. No. Absolutely. And because that's not really taught to us and and we have I learned it on my own. Yeah. Did you learn that on your own or did were you taught that? I have had to learn it. But yeah. I will say this is part of what I think I see some other countries doing that I think would be important for us to do either if you choose to do it privately as a parent or if the the schools are teaching it is that understanding just healthy relationship dynamics and how Mm -hmm. to have conversations where you are expressing your boundaries and knowing your worth and what a healthy relationship should look like and what it's not. I did not understand that Mm -hmm. as a child. I did not understand that as a teenager. I, I suffered through many uh, very unhealthy relationships where I just didn't understand this is not the way you should be treated. I, I didn't understand those boundaries. And I, I unfortunately am just starting to learn them mm-hmm. in now in your forties, in my forties, which is crazy to me, almost a little embarrassing, but it, it's, yeah. it, it wasn't directly taught to me. It's so, normal, but some people will never learn that even beyond their forties. The I think is, our divorce rate goes to show that that's a, that is correct. But the fact is, is that, it's really difficult to teach healthy relationship dynamics and what a relationship should look like if you're keeping sexuality out of it because if we're teaching people who are in their teens or when they're in school, they're in their teens and we're, we're keeping sexuality out of it, how do you teach a healthy relationship dynamic if you're not teaching that sex is part of a relationship? Um, and so it's like you can't do one without the other. And so we just don't learn anything about relationships and what they should look like. And I will say you can shelter your kids. I mean, I see a lot of, and by shelter, I mean with love you're protecting, but shelter is the best word I can think of to not experience these things. But these Mm -hmm. are the couples I see where they're both very confused. Mm -hmm. They learned about sex on their own or that 
the guy was taught about it from somebody and the women watched it on correct youtube or something like youtube but these couples remind me of the um if you ever watch like henry the eighth or the tutors or mm-hmm. whatever like the kings and the the higher up noble men make it their duty to get their sons laid as mm-hmm. much as possible before marriage so they know what to do so they know that that's their right to do it so they understand to sex. please themselves not to please her correct and then and then these poor little girls are married off and they're like oh my oh my god what is and i know someone and how many oh, that was married not knowing what sex was like today bridgerton mm-hmm. vibes here correct yes. i love bridgerton <laughs> i watched it i loved it but this is still happening in and, and how many whatever how many people do we know personally or we've seen it on tv enough to know that it was very regular for women to just teach their daughters like sex is just something you do and nobody likes it but it's your duty correct mm-hmm. and that's normal enough yeah. that it's like if we want to enjoy sex we gotta like fumble through it on our own and figure out how the hell you enjoy sex mm-hmm. and i think we can i really feel like we can change that I mean, my daughter now is to the age where she's like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. Stop talking. And I'm like, I will stop talking, mm-hmm. but not before I say that sex is a normal human activity. Mm-hmm. And when you want to learn about it, you have two parents that are happy to talk to you. It's normal. Like, do you know what I they mean? They also have yeah. books for Fine. this. Mostly me. It's yes, mostly it's me. mostly you. <laughs> However, like, it doesn't need to be uncomfortable it doesn't need to be weird like we can fix this moving forward and by teaching consent and by teaching that sex and these things are normal and that you have a right to say no or yes or whatever that's when we're going to start to see our molestation rates go down our rape rates go down because girls don't know Like, like we are not teaching our little females enough about their own body to even protect themselves. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what's, how do you say no to something? If you didn't even know, you have no idea what's even happening. That it existed. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2023. And I do understand there's a very large group of people that are trying to hold on desperately to, you know, um, traditional marriage and waiting until you're married. I think that's beautiful. I think that's fantastic, but there's still a knowledge that goes with that so that they can protect themselves or, or support or whatever themselves until that happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I also feel like because of the shame involved in sex, um, and I've seen this a lot in my life, like people who feel shame about sex or who don't feel like they're in a place in their life where they're allowed to have sex or they, they can have sex and, um, that they just get weird. It's like you're suppressing your sexuality so much that that's when violence bubbles out because sexuality is a very natural thing and not everybody needs to express it in a way that they're like having sex before marriage or whatever. But people who are sexual beings that suppress that out of like duty or like at some some, in trouble. Yeah. At some point something happens and because it is a part of our lives. It's, you know, like we breathe, we eat, we have sex. Every single creature on the entire Every earth does it. living creature. Except so when, for the asexual ones, like some worms and... Some humans are asexual. Yeah. I think it's growing. This is our natural way. It of, is a thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. But teaching that something is, and again, and I know this is... I, I love religion. I love all of it. But 
when you teach that a normal body function is a sin or dirty, it makes it hard for those people. It makes it hard to understand, like, how can I be a good person Mm -hmm. if I'm having a sexual urge? Yeah. And maybe we're getting too, you know, too far in theoretical. It's like I knew somebody once and as a very little boy, like he, he masturbated and for the first time he ejaculated and he went to his grandma at the time because that's where he was and he said I was doing this and this happened because he had no idea what he was doing. He was a little kid and her response was oh that gives you cancer. Don't do that again. Oh my god. Oh. So it's like these are the things and, and I know that that's not a when in reality not doing that can actually give you freaking cancer. No. <laughs> also, I meant to say theological. I'm sorry. I said theoretical, which is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Also, my mom does not remember telling my brother because he kept touching his penis as all boys do. They all do. So she's like, if you don't stop touching it, it's going to fall off. She swears to God she never said this. However, my brother stopped touching his penis for years. And he was so scared. Pissing everywhere. He would go to the bathroom and be afraid to touch his penis. Oh. So he stopped holding it to pee. Oh. Oh and God. so finally I'm like, what? Because we shared a bathroom. We like, had like a Jack and Jill. Why is there piss everywhere? Why do you keep peeing? Because mom said if I touch my penis, it'll fall off. I was like, first off, how are you so dumb? <laughs> Secondly, that's not true. And he was I thought like, we weren't shaming here. Well, <laughs> it was her brother. It's my brother. And, and she I was also allowed, a child. I'm allowed to shame You're my brother child. when that's, I'm only 12 years old. But he's so smart. And I was just like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not real. That's not how that works. So I told my mom, I was like, you're horrible. Like, I'm joking with her. This is like years later. She's like, I never, I would never. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Or maybe you like did it. in her she mind, was probably joking. It, was, it was something innocent. Like when people say, if you keep making your face like that, it's, it's going to freeze that, that way. way. Yeah. I know. But, but these are things that we say that stick with our kids forever. Like vaginas, vulvas, penises. They're not dirty no. unless you don't wash them also yeah, teach your kids to watch you don't their have genitals. to you don't also, have to wash girl, don't them, use a lot of soap don't use soap. you don't have to wash These them as things they're not dirty in a way that you have to wash them different than any other part of your body Correct. it's just just like you need to wash your underarms you need to wash your genitals and so and yeah. that's, i mean that causes problems too when people think their genitals are dirty and then they're scrubbing the hell out of it with soap and then boom your genitals are actually I'm, we're not going to go down no. that path because the stories I have heard mm-hmm. and watched, there's so many. We not on lifetime. Just go on why education hours. is important. It's yes, yes. So, do, so I thought we could touch before we go a little <laughs> bit. You said touch. I know I did that on purpose. <laughs> on, um, I was asked to teach if I would be interested in teaching a sexual education program. For homeschoolers. Correct. Well, mm-hmm. no, it was uh, one of the charter schools in oh, Northern that's Virginia. Right. That's right. But you had thought so, about expanding it out to include homeschool co-ops and stuff, haven't yeah, you? If I, yeah, and then I was like, I'm too busy for that. But yeah, so I actually took, I really took this seriously and I downloaded Virginia's SOL requirements. Mm-hmm. And so you know more about this than you let on when we started this. I am a liar, but I admit <laughs> it. So I wrote an 18 page class, like an 18 page, um, what do you call it? Lesson plan. Thank you. On um, sex ed. And we called it sexual health and development. Mm -hmm. And so I was messaging back and forth with like the dean. And I said, if I'm going to do this, I would like to do it this way. I want to teach more along the lines of body respect, body differences, consent, like all of these things that make you a very 
um, well-adapted, strong, confident person. And then I'll move on to talking about the parts of the body, procreation, birth, because they asked me if I would also include birth. Um, because Dr. Emily, hello, who I love, mm-hmm. actually recommended me to do this. And so they were like, okay, we'll write it and see, and we'll see what you say. And then I wrote it from the ground up. So at any point, these parents could pull their kids. If they were like, I don't want them to learn about this. It was amazing. First off, these kids all have parents who do purposefully teach. Yeah. Like they do share their morals, their values, their whatever. But it was so amazing. I literally, I printed out these like amazing pictures of like all the genitals, all the things, and they weren't embarrassed. No. Every one of them, I would lay out, this is a penis. This penis has a foreskin. Your penis may not have a foreskin. I'm not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> like, that is not the point of this conversation right we at this We cannot moment. get into this, but... It's so crazy because when this stuff came up, when I was in school, I was like embarrassed and I looked away and I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be laughing right now. But I would lay these giant pictures. I mean, they were like two feet by three feet of just penises and every one of them scooted closer and they were like, oh, and then the girls would like, look at it and then look at a boy. <laughs> and I'm like, it's you know, they've all been curious. They just correct. Don't know. And I'm like, well, it's not nice to laugh about the male genitalia as funny as it may look. I didn't say that, but that's what <laughs> I wanted to say. You thought it. I did think it. But then the girls like I would lay out like a picture of a vulva and it was like holy to see all the different kinds right i'm like this is the clitoris this is the part that when you touch it 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 feels feels good good. that's that's the point this is here this is here and they would like raise their hand well which hole does the baby come out of well which hole do i pee out of i'm like i love every one of you Mm -hmm. so much so like if they had someone like me or you or you who was just like hey this is what it is. It's Let's not- talk about genitals. Let's all just have a circle and talk about. They acted like yes, it was. Yes, you do have a hole. Yes, you do. I have several holes. You have several you have holes. Several of them. You have several holes. <laughs> you may have been trying to put your tampon in the wrong one because you were nervous. You got to figure out which one it goes in. You have to figure it out. Only a couple of them are big enough to put anything into. That's true. That's true. That's true. There's a couple. <laughs> so it was just so fascinating because I would teach these things, and some of these kids knew more even that I did about like the gastric system, they would just start on this, whatever. But then I showed like a developmental, like a fetus from like all these pictures of here's a sperm. Here's what you contribute, which comes from the penis. This is how that happens. They were enthralled. Mm-hmm. They were absolutely fascinated. Every once in a while, someone would start giggling because yeah. how can you help it? You I still cannot. remember the first time I saw sperm under a, micros- a microscope. I feel like every kid ever should see that because they're real it's amazing it happened to me because i worked in a doctor's office and i was like i'm gonna swab my vagina and there was a sperm in it and you were like oh my like, god, oh my god. <laughs> swim around look it's so cool but if you treat it like it's normal like they were so fascinated yeah and they were asking so many questions they asked me to watch the video again they all wanted to watch that sperm and then i showed pictures of the egg and they were like this is literally the coolest thing I've ever seen because it's all it's it's really is a miracle. Like it's the fact an that absolute it's miracle every single tiny time. Little level, yes, all of those parts are so amazing. Yes, and and it's so cool. Speaking about videos, I want before we end it out because we were talking about sex, our experiences of sex, and I feel like we all had the same experience. They show a birth video, which I oh also think is in, in the vein of. 
scaring scare task. She was screaming, right? There was a lot of screaming. It's, there was poop. For me, as a it woman was green. in lithotomy with green drapes. Green. And Everything was green. Even the video itself had like a green, yes. yellow hue. Yes. And it was like the most god-awful video of birth. Literally ever. You could watch where it if terrible. you're showing it to middle schoolers, they're like, Holy shit, I never want that to happen to me. No one and, was and a laughing, guy's looking by the at way. It, a guy's looking at it, and he's like, holy shit, I never want that to happen to any person. Like, that's horrible. And, and, and that upset me, too, because, yeah, we go to some births that are horrific. You wouldn't want to show yeah. that to a middle schooler. No. But we talk all the time about how you know, procreation and having babies like these are kids who are also going to grow up and want to start families at an age appropriate time. And that instills fear about birth. So that's why it's so important to teach sexuality something that, yeah, this can cause pregnancy. And if you get pregnant at a young age, this and this and this could be a hardship for you. But also instilling fear about birth at a young age when these are people that are going to go and start families like birth can be beautiful too and so it's like where do we find the the way to, to make it proactive and positive yes proactive I mean, and positive it, okay and this is if you step way 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 back why are we teaching about the finances of china and not the physiological yeah like, what's happening yeah it doesn't make any sense i think that the fear of our culture, of the fear of sex, the fear of feeling free, the fear of us just being free and normal and healthy is so intense. Mm -hmm. And it's based in these long rooted moral, moral teachings. Yeah. Which there's we nothing would, wrong with moral teachings, but no, when they're not coming at all. from a place of fear, it shouldn't be coming from a place of fear no. that we would rather teach about the finances in China than we would about our own vagina. I did a rhyme. You did. You did. It's not okay. <laughs> like, I don't want my kids to be embarrassed or ashamed or terrified. And we have to admit that also that comes with respecting our kids too, because correct, we have children who have been raised in a very body positive, we talk about whatever the hell we want to home and have never made it weird. And some of our kids are still... They don't like to be so open about it. And so me and totally me fair. and Kim are working on respecting that boundary as well, which is difficult for us. So I can see how it would be difficult for other parents to respect the boundaries of their kids coming from a different perspective. Because when my kid gets embarrassed about tampons, I'm like, why would you be embarrassed about a tampon? But that's be kids. like, all right, I have to respect that she's right. embarrassed about a tampon. Yeah. It's true. Teenagers are just, just to put this perspective out there, teenagers are by nature psychologically more likely to be embarrassed about everything, about everything. They want your, your parents as far away from you as you can get. Everything embarrasses them. Yeah. They're discovering it's their like, identity. It's like they all know they all have parents, literally everything but is scary and embarrassing to them. So it's, you don't want to do anything that's going to make them more scared. A lot of the way that this can be addressed is by the way that we as the adults portray it to them. Yeah, Correct. Even that's not going to erase all of it, but it, it can help. I've started texting Evie because when I try to talk to her, she just naturally freaks out and starts yelling at me about how embarrassing I am. 
And so I've just taken to texting. Hey. The funny thing is, though, is that when she's not around you, she is actually a miniature version of you. And she will scream about the most embarrassing things in the middle of public. I know. It's only when you do it. Why that can't she sad. do that when I'm around? I would make me so proud. I know. So proud. So, you're going to get in on it. And then I it's going to be double the embarrassment. She kept. She followed me around at Katie's um, graduation party, which is about vaginas, by the way. Yeah. The entire theme is vaginas a graduation party yeah for midwifery oh oh that makes <laughs> and there way more yes, sense thanks yeah, make, for the context you know like for you it would be like a listener probably would be asking the same correct. thing. correct it was a graduation party for midwife and i wasn't even starting the conversations someone would ask me something i would say something and laugh the yeah. end and and this was you know she, oh my god oh my god she would walk she, oh my god be quiet you're so loud and i was like i didn't i actually didn't talk yeah I didn't say anything at all. So, yes, I don't force any information upon yeah. her. But I do have a period box in my closet ready to roll. It's ready to, well, Ren and Evie did tell us that when they started their periods, they wanted a party. Yes. They gave us permission. They made a video about it and put it on the Internet. I saw that. I know. So I can't talk about it. But we have to be ready for it. it. Oh, I'm ready. I have a period box that includes all the different options they for your period. celebrated. Including period panties. Well, they should. Yes. They should be. Oh, yes. I'm going to. It's going to be amazing. Yes. I can't wait to celebrate. Hopefully they start their period celebrate it on the same day. That would be great. Periods also include sometimes uncomfortable things, which I think is also a whole different potential podcast. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> but, uh, is. We got <laughs> to wrap this one up. Yeah. Like, like a, a dick. dick. <laughs> or not, if which you're is what we're talking safe about. Choice. If you're <laughs> practicing safe sex. Um, if that's your choice. Okay. So to sum this all up, the amount of education in, in our country specifically is very lacking. There's a lot of holes there. More holes than <laughs> More a female body. More holes than we knew we had. And or didn't know. Or didn't know we had. <laughs> you as parents can help with that. Like <sighs> by taking away some of the stigma of if at the very least teaching kids about their bodies and that it's okay to say no if something's making. Like those are the bare minimums. Um and hopefully, if more people start having this conversation, we can start raising a generation of kids that are more empowered in their sexuality to have healthy Which sexual relationships. does not mean they're more sexual. No. It just means they're... They have healthier... Correct. In fact, some of them who get this education are decide to be less sexual. Mm-hmm. It can go either way, really. Yep. Oh, well, that's... Matter of education. 100%. Already showed and that's been proven. Um, These so, are, that's not our opinion like an asshole. That's actually proven. Yeah. Like a pelvis. So, yeah. Teach your kids about their bodies. Try and... Even if you have a place of trauma, like, try and find a way that you can teach them that it's not something they have to... We don't have to pass on our trauma to our next generations because if we can raise a new generation of, like, powerful women and men, like... The world's going to be a better place. If you get enough listeners together, I'll, I'll do my whole class. for You can all fly into Virginia Let's and I'll teach. Also, if you like our podcast and you haven't seen Sex Ed or Sex Education, whatever it. it's called, yeah. oh my God, you have to watch so it. Funny. So it's funny. It's hilarious. There are You're also welcome. a lot of resources out there. There's books that you can get to There's give your Google. kids. There's lots of things. There's you don't Google. have to necessarily have a physical conversation, although I think that's probably good too, but yeah, yeah. there are other methods. I also want to say thank you for all of our patrons out there. Uh, We really appreciate you. And the only other thing we have to say is cheers. Cheers. There's actually wine in there.